Standing in a desert under a red sun, Randall felt warmth surround him and concluded, another dreamscape. However, the orb floated at eye level and clearly spoke. Randall of the Lee, Pankin Air, you have been absent from your known ones for a day, yet you have been made ready. You have asked of the pre-libs and the orb will answer. Unsure if what he saw was a dream, Randall first did not respond, although he did recognize the familiar charred mesa which encircled him. Where am I? He wanted badly to know. In a world you have seen, answered the orb. Randall did not like its vagueness, for it reminded him of the hermit's elusive manner. You said, made ready. For what? Randall changed the subject. The right of the joining and the release. The orb crackled while miniature sparks showered the ground. A deep purple smoke pirouetted upon the dusty desert. Fixed in place as if the wind refused to participate, the vapor congealed into the outline of the elusive character Randall had encountered during his month-long dream series, the same figure he had attempted to exercise by self-imposed exile and his addiction to McLeish's. The remaining smoke dissipated around the featureless form, and an uncontrollable urge to vomit overcame Randall. He dropped to his knees and bent over to cover his mouth. His lips moved in and out without any control. He tried to call out to whatever it was to stop, but heaved in convulsions. Even the sight of the apparition hurt Randall's eyes, wet from tears. The dizziness swelled and Randall again emptied his stomach across the ground. You, Randall uttered and retched once more. I, responded the form of a man in a long robe. Randall withdrew. If he looked up, the dizzying nausea returned. I have seen you in a dream. We talked. I dreamt for a long time, Randall spoke, but another wave of nausea stopped him. Yes, Randall of the Lee, you and I have met. You are a rare guest. You and the orb must learn our expectation. The character sat down. Randall held onto his stomach and crouched as Vertigo forced him down. As before, the being's intimacy was comforting, although this time Randall could decipher its speech. Nevertheless, if he tried to make eye contact, a devastating upsurge of nausea flooded his body. You are sick, Randall, the character began, because you've not yet decided. The longer the indecision, the more resulting hardship you merit. As I am passing through time and matter to find you, it is disorienting for you, because your minds have not met. Randall tried focused breathing to lessen his vomiting. As much as the figure stood still, it also moved. He could not keep his attention. The magnitude of this juncture, the character continued, is more than I can tell you. You must either go forward or remain as you were prior to your preparation by the orb. I am an alteration between your conscious and your unconscious mind. In the ordinary sense, your waking self is safe within the heart of John Bismra, within the orb, without need or care. Yet your dreaming self is here with us. Randall silently debated the interchange while the character read his mind. As one's finger traces a linear groove on an object, the figure tracked the lines of Randall's thought, not as if it had intruded, but rather as if it had reproduced its own parallel copy of Randall's deliberation. Through what you call your insanity, you may come to aid those called the pre-lives, but the joining and release has certain dangers which you must acknowledge. What dangers? Randall asked. Weakened by his ill stomach, the old desire returned. He reached around for a stash of McLeish's, but it was nowhere. Your drug does not serve you. Yet first we talk of the right. Randall wanted to object, but the soothing voice interrupted. The orb will conduct the Prandalfa, the joining and release, as I interpret it, for your ears. What does this conductor do? Randall asked. Do you really want to know? You have been so hesitant before. 
However, Randall received what he wanted, a direct, intimate display of the truth. Hence, he acknowledged his choice. In the Prandelfa, you must stand before nothingness. The sphere will close shut and take your senses, sight, hearing, touch, taste, smell, and even reason. You must find the heart of the orb, though the way is not evident. If you succeed, your conscious mind will meet its unconscious counterpart. At that moment, you may gaze into that which you seek. The speaker paused for Randall's question. What if I do not survive? He naturally asked. If you cannot find the heart, dear one, you will be forever lost in the recesses of the right. The rub figure sounded remorseful. Without cohesiveness, you will drift apart into a billion thoughts. Randall was stunned. What was it to float eternally from one thought to another, to be adrift in never-ending dreams, continually engaged but never resolved? With no waking self to counter the chaos, I would be insane, he reasoned. Yet you have fortune, the voice bounced back. Randall, your dreams have changed your path. Had your visions not appeared to you, the copper would have consumed you. As you reached your journey's end at the place of desecration, the copper's poison beneath its ebony arc would have bowed you into a black trace, the same ones who have destroyed your family and village. The copper's pollution devours the will and leaves no choice but to follow the path of carnage. A chill crept down Randall's spine. The situation was almost unthinkable. He felt strongly his schizophrenia had overtaken him. Randall could not imagine how much worse it would be if he turned into a black trace. His father, Pan, had long complained that compassion had disappeared, as friends repelled friends and comity among the towns declined. Pan coined a saying, Yesterday was good, today is worse, and tomorrow will fare no better. The companion spoke, Your hope lies in your dreams, young wanderer, where among the pre-lives one has beheld you. Are you not ready to meet even one? It gently inquired. Randall failed to grasp the character's unexpected question. Rather, he wished to end the matter and return to Oxana. The robed figure bent towards him with outstretched hand and touched his finger to Randall's temple. Randall fought hard to stave off the mounting queasiness and moved to strike back, but his brain clouded. You have lived these years within another place, within another's rubra. Therefore, you dream much. What came first, Randall? Lines intersected and crossed. Tagless tales of dreams and the hermit's diatribe on the pre-lives, Randall found himself at the nexus. My dreams, Randall begged. Were they pre-lives? Impossible. Randall recounted the orb's declaration. The one to come. The orb demands the pre-life. The robe character traced Randall's thoughts as if on thin paper. In one sense, the pre-lives are your fantasies, yet they precede you as forebearers of a sort. Indeed, one whom you have met desires to aid you within the orb, though peril exists for it as well. Find the pre-life before you fail. Find the way within yourself that will unlock both your purposes. Attain its rubra, and it will attain yours, for it seeks the path through you to serve its own kind. Then go where it goes, serve as it serves. The oration, like a clear sermon, provided Randall no choice but to understand. He wanted to run, but nausea glued him where he kneeled. He felt guilty as if he had already done something wrong. His own will was frozen, yet the moment called for commitment and sacrifice. Deep down, it still felt like a dream. Randall, the figure declared, a larger fate was hidden behind your self-serving ambition to unite conscious and unconscious minds. Indeed, under the influence of the Capra, anyone can unite such two. Consider the person you have already met, namely Dolor Harpen, Arakan Ken. 
Randall interrupted. I have met him, or that's what the hermit Taran Hupridros told me. Taran is trustworthy. The character attacked Randall's undisclosed skepticism of the recluse. You must attempt his confidence, for he holds greater secrets than he realizes. Randall did not wish to swallow its suggestion. Since Randall had met Taran, he had acquired a bitter regard for the recluse. Randall, the Capra, draws near. The moment requires your decision, it concluded, but Randall resisted. How? I cannot swim in a waterfall. You give me nothing to hold on to, he pushed back. It is said, the robe character continued, the land is given to the trees and the waves have only the sea. Why then have you failed to see the answer to your own question? Only those who live above the skies understand the heights. You live inside time. I do not. You do not see me, but as a dream of your making. How is but a leap towards me? Randall went blank. The hands of his insanity reached around his neck as if to choke him. Although Dolor's net has fallen upon the realm, the character interrupted Randall's melancholy. He is like a man who forgets he has dug a pit and falls into it. Serve to speed him to his end so that he may be saved. You have this chance. Find your strength through suffering, a strange character concluded. In the Prandel Fa, seek nothing as your new name. It is time for us to leave, for the orb's return will seal this tear. Our admonition for you is to accept the contest of the Prandel Fa. Randall held his sides and attempted to answer, but more waves of nausea rolled him. He closed his eyes, which helped. I, he tried again. He wanted to say, no. Randall hated his current predicament. He would have sold his soul for a bag of McLeishes. He wanted freedom to choose. He wanted more options. But choice seemed vacant. Most of all, he wanted to be far away from the robed figure. Indeed, if he accepted and failed, what then? A billion thoughts? However, would his misery end if he agreed? He waited and then took the leap. He closed his eyes and mouthed his acceptance. As he opened his eyes, he found himself tucked in a cleft of a rock illuminated by the orb's faint blue light. When he regained his balance, Randall considered the possibility the whole affair was another dream. Madness, indeed, had paid a visit. He followed the light out to discover he was at the bottom of the enormous cavern, the circular hole that, according to the hermit, was the home of the orb. The orb sat before him in its chair, an enormous tripod dais fashioned like an upside-down bird's claw. At once the orb responded to Randall's presence, firing bursts of blue, green, and orange arcs. The sphere ascended from its throne, and Randall, less fearful, advanced. As in prior encounters, it returned to its dizzy, whirly-gig circuiting about his head. Not again, Randall moaned, as he grew nauseated and begged it to stop. Will you join in the right? The orb responded as it continued to circumnavigate Randall's head. Before I answer, I have questions. Randall sounded like a dying man making a last request. Ask, the orb responded flatly. I dreamed a figure spoke to me about the Prandel Fa. I was told you had made me ready, but how? Forethought is necessary for you to enter the Prandel Fa, the sphere called in perfect octaves. Where you lie down to sleep and where you awake is a place, the center upon which all pivots. The orb's preparation will stop it from rebelling. The orb grew silent, but another question popped into Randall's head. Was it a dream? he asked. Randall waited. He repeated his question without receiving a reply. It briefly crossed his mind that perhaps the orb itself was a fantasy, a manifestation of his subconscious, a dream within an extension of his dreaming. However, the supposition seemed too complicated. Orb, Randall inquired. The figure told me to trust the hermit, Taran Herpridros. What does the hermit know? 
Karan is a servant, the orb answered. You have learned of the influence of the Kapra. Likewise, the hermit is captivated but by this orb. You possess the hermit, Randall paraphrased. Orb, Randall inquired out of self-preservation. Will I likewise become your domestic? You are the one, the sphere replied. What need has the orb for preservation from the one? The rhetorical question was so truth-bound and assuring that the knot between Randall's shoulder blades disappeared. The hermit said, you choose to disclose matters that are unknown, Randall said, generally curious. Can you see my parents? Randall surprised himself at his needy question. Yes, the orb replied. Are you ready? Randall missed the implications of the question and nodded to begin. Within the curvature of the orb, images appeared. His older siblings and his birth mother, a black trace standing over his dying father, a tiny infant cradled in a sling carried by a mother who fled down the Tisri Trail. However, the episodes ended. Why, Orb? Why those scenes? Randall pled. Each has determined the course of your life, the Orb softly answered in its neat soprano and almost imperceptible bass. Why did she flee? Randall asked himself. His emotions pulled like a rip current. A black trace had purposed to find you, the Orb responded. The trace who killed my father? Randall asked, forgetting his skepticism. And later your siblings. And your mother. Randall's knees weakened as if his bones were water. He thought of the years of searching in vain for the faces of his family. The orb's bass counterpart voiced, When Dolor started his migrations to the Capra, a black trace, Shradat He, coveted Dolor's power and sought an exclusive commission to prove his loyalty. Dolor revealed to him a prophecy held by the Tizrians, a threat from a successor heir who would yield unstable power. Sradat badly wanted Dolor's favor, thus he gave his oath to end that line. Sradat slew your father, Jamardestan. Your mother, Janiah, fled to Penkin, and Sradat followed. Although he found your mother and siblings, he was unaware of your survival in Glendary. Upon his return to Dolor, Sradat boasted how the Capra would be pleased, but Dolor slew him and finished Sradat one mouthful at a time. His unveiled lineage had names, Jammer and Janiah Destin. Randall finally gained a history, yet what is an ancestry when all were dead? No, not all were. The object interrupted his reverie. Have you decided? Randall had not. Is it true that Dolor has killed Oksana's family? He asked to stall. Yes, it answered. If Randall did not accept the right, he reasoned his split reality would not end. He could not saddle Oksana with such burden should he go insane. He loathed the hasty decision, though the orb required it, but even more he hated wavering. Randall braced for his announcement. Prandel Fa, tomorrow is for tomorrow, I have today. However, let it be before my cousin that she may know my endeavor and my failure. The bass boomed, so be it, Randall of the Lee, son of Jammerdustin, the continuation of John the Dauphin. With disrupting brightness, the globe enveloped Randall within its translucent skin, enlarging to fit him. Another form floated alongside in a haze of indistinct rhythmic pulses. As he looked closer, its delicate pattern shifted to his peripheral. A voice spoke from no direction. Randall and the pre-life. Present within the orb, the decisions are made. Randall recognized the desert companion's voice. Randall reached out to test the orb's wall, but his arm was useless. He tried to speak, but he could not move his jaw or tongue. It was not a question of energy or strength, but how to move, as if he had forgotten. The orb with its passengers suspended in its expanded envelope ascended through the rocky tube and reached the lip where Oksana and Turan stood. Randall, Oksana shouted. Randall unsuccessfully tried to acknowledge her with a gesture. 
Randall, the orb comforted him. Here is your request, to be before Oksana Samalan, your cousin. Convey to your cousin your final wishes. A cyclone of air rushed through his lungs and filled his mouth. Oksana, he shouted. Are you well? she returned. Yes, I am well, Randall lied. Oksana, a ritual called the Prandil Fa. Turan, do you know it? Randall turned to the hermit. Yes, the hermit's face brightened. Turan, too, noticed the additional floating figure, too vague to scrutinize. Good, tell Oksana. The pre-life is here, Turan. Do you know what that means? Randall shouted. Turan nodded. Oksana, I've no home unless something better happens to us. I do not leave you lightly, but I hope to rid myself of my hounding insanity. Each statement carried a double meaning. He did not wish to delude his cousin, but he could not tell her the complete truth. Oksana studied the situation. Is this your free decision, my dear cousin? She replied. A grave expression fell across her face. Yes, he answered without shouting. It was no lie. Her face dropped, her lips pursed uncontrolled from her grief. She spoke aloud, he is readying himself to die. She raised her right hand high in front of her face, her final goodbye. Randall attempted to raise his hand in response. Orb, I need my hand. By mercy, I need my hand. Randall cursed excitedly. He considered his cousin's torturous journey to be with him. His guilt for leaving her cut deep. But he must be allowed to return her salute. Orb, he shouted again. Blood pulsated through his arm as he willed it in front of his face. Randall saluted. Through his outstretched fingers, he saw Oksana smile her first smile since he had found her in Turan's subterranean home. The feeling left his limb, and without sensation, it lifelessly floated at his side. Oksana and Turan faded as he lost sight. His hearing stopped. He tried hard to swallow, but could not. No sight, no hearing, no smell, no touch. In the most solitary times, some sensation subsists. The slight constraint of air pressure, passing tinnitus, or the watery swoosh from blood pressure. Yet everything was gone. Randall screamed for the orb to return him, but he gave off no noise. Up, down, in and out, all sensation expired. Indeed, his state was the absence of existence. I am alone, he cried to himself. It is done.